Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. When we pray, things happen. When we don't pray, things don't happen. Do you realize how many things God wants to do in your life, but you won't ask? You don't want His will. You don't ask big. You limit Him. You put Him in this little box. He wants to do so much for you. Not for you, but to extend the kingdom of God. Living out a healthy life of frequent prayer is probably one of the most neglected areas of the Christian life. For many of us, we often find ourselves reserving prayer for issues such as poor health or life's unexpected trials. But what about simple day-to-day guidance and daily fellowship with our Creator? In today's edition of Lessons for Living, we jump in mid-story as Pastor Mark teaches us the importance of a steady prayer life. In our study, not only will we learn about God faithfully providing, but Pastor Mark reminds us just who it is we pray to and how we should pray big. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, Ask. is very special. I, I know he doesn't look like much, but he knows karate. <laughs> and the salesman says, yeah, right. I, I don't believe it. The employee puts a little dog down and he says to the dog, karate the sign. <laughs> and tore the sign to shreds. And the guy goes, Wow. He said, can you give me another example? And he says to the dog, here's a little chair over here, a little teeny thing. Karate, the chair. Pieces of wood flying everywhere. Salesman says, I'll take that little boy. Well, he gets home and he opens the door and he says, his wife, come out. I got good news for you. I've been really concerned about you and the safety and the kids and whatever. And I got this incredible guard dog to protect you while I'm gone. She looked and she says, well, where is it? He says, it's right here. And she looked at this thing and said, you got to be kidding me. That thing couldn't work its way out of a paper bag. He said, no, it's really special. This dog knows karate. And she says, karate my foot. (laughs) Quite often, we're very much like that wife. God says, "If, if you'll pray to me, And if you'll pray in faith, I'll answer every single prayer. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. We laugh at a story, but it's sad that the God of the universe makes a promise and we doubt it. 
See, I can't please God in my life if I doubt it. As you look at your life today, there's nothing impossible with God. Our minds and our doubting limit what God wants to do. If you and I as a group could understand how much he wants to do, and yet we limit him because we don't ask, and then we don't believe that he could use us powerfully. Ephesians 3.20 says, he wants to do more than you can ever even imagine. And I read the verse, I go, yeah, that's for somebody else. No, it's not for somebody else. It's for you. Write this statement down. Don't limit God. Ask big and ask often. In that series that we did on Wednesday night, I have a whole series, I have a whole teaching on one Wednesday night called Ask Big. If you want to get that, I think it will challenge your faith. You say, well, Pastor Mark, does this promise have anything to do with the will of God? Yes, it does. 1 John 5.14 says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us and he will answer us. So what does that mean? Well, God promises to answer every prayer that's in his will. Well, the question is, what is his will? First of all, his will is expressed in here. So if I'm praying for something and it's prohibited in here, I'll never get it. That's wrong with our world today. That's liberal. It says, well, God really doesn't mean this, and this lifestyle is okay, and I can do this, and God told me to get a divorce, and there's no scripture reason for it, but I'm getting divorced just because, like, we don't get along, and so it's okay, and God's going to bring me another spouse. So you're wrong. God says, I hate divorce. Well, I can cheat on my income tax because then I'm going to give more to God during the offering and all those kind of things and whatever. And No. So... There is a will of God. It's expressed in the Bible. Now, what if it isn't expressed in black and white? When we came here 13 years ago and we prayed about coming to Melbourne, how do I know it's God's will? What do I do with that? Should I quit my job that God had given me at the hospital and all those years and I was director and I loved it and traveled and just loved What would I do? I, I can't turn to John 4, 3 and it says, go to Melbourne. So what do I do with it? I pray big prayers. Because God had put it on my heart. And so here's what we did. God, you open the door when you're ready. If we've heard you correctly, you open the door. And we'll go. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how it'll work. But we're going to go. So I prayed big prayers. It took five years for him to open the door. Now, every night I didn't go, God, open the door, open the door, God, God, God. No, we just were active for God doing what we supposed to have been doing, ministering the other church. Finally, God opened the door, and we came down. Has he done big things? He's done incredible things. Well, we're not done yet. Do you think all Brevard County saved now? We can just get back. We didn't make these movie things so you can just sleep in them, you know, even though some of you try, but I keep you awake. <laughs> Next week, we have a few karate dogs. You're going to be right up here in the front. <laughs> They'll find you, baby. That's right. <laughs> so what do you do? What do you do when you pray big prayers? Here's what I do. Every person I pray for, by the way, physically, I pray for God to heal them. Because I know it's God's will to heal. Now, what if they're not healed? Then I leave that with God. 
I pray for God to open this door and do an incredible thing here in this marriage and restore the marriage. Well, what if the one in the marriage partner says, I don't want anything to do with God. I'm not going to do it. And they divorce you. What do I do with that? Did God not answer the prayer? No, God always responds to your personal choice. So I didn't limit God. God said no in this case because the person. See, it takes two to do it. So don't you be the person limiting God. Let God limit himself because he knows what's better to do. Do you get it? So pray big. And then just let God make the final decision in your life, the timing and all the rest. Here's something I want to give you and I want you to write it down. And turn to 1 Kings, Old Testament. We're going to go through it very quickly. 1 Kings. Kind of find it. If you don't know where it is, ask a friend right there. Where's 1 Kings? 1 Kings chapter 17. When you pray, just leave the will of God to God. And then go on with big prayers, lots of faith, and live for him. In 1 Kings 17, we're told about a man named Elijah. Elijah was a prophet. Here's the good thing. The Bible says Elijah was just like you, and Elijah was just like me. Well, there was a famine in the land. The land of Israel was pagan. They were worshiping pagan gods. What took place was that Elijah ends up in this little widow's home, and the widow didn't have food, and God did a miracle, and every day they had food. But look on down to verse 17. 1 Kings 17, 17. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill, and he grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, the little widow, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? See, she wasn't a believer. Give me your son, Elijah replied, and he took her from his arms, and he carried him to an upper room where he was staying, and he laid, on, laid him on the bed. Then Elijah prayed. Look in verse 20. He cried out to the Lord, O Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy also upon this woman I'm staying with by causing her son to die? See, Elijah goes, God, this doesn't make sense. You're providing for us every single day, and now this son dies. Are you against me? What are you, what are you trying to do here? And God obviously answered him without us knowing what the answer is, because look at verse 21. Then he, Elijah, stretched himself on the boy, circle this, three times. See, that's persistent prayer. Here's, here's how I believe it was. Watch. Here's this young boy, and he puts him on the bed. God says, I'll heal him. You watch me, so I can prove that I'm God. So Elijah prays and lays himself on the boy. By the way, is that a big prayer? Any of you laid yourself on a dead person recently and expected him to rise? That's a big prayer, isn't it? Could God still do that today? Absolutely. Only if he calls you to do that. Because you have to have that kind of faith. That's a special kind of faith. So he laid himself on it. Here's the way I believe it worked. He prayed the first time. He gets up. What happened? Nothing. Second time. Nothing. Third time. Boy comes to life. Now why three? I don't know. Why not one? Three. And when he comes to life, and you've seen the story, we won't finish the story other than to tell you this. He comes to life, he takes him downstairs, he shows him to the widow. In the last few verses of that chapter, the widow says this. Now I know that your God is the real God. So why did God heal the boy? So that Elijah could start like the healing, raising from the dead ministry, go on television and be promoted as the guy? No, it was never about man. It was always about God. See, if you're praying for God's will and it's about promoting you, forget the prayer. He won't take second place. That's never his will. Well, in chapter 18, what happened is there's these 450 prophets that worship Baal in a godly nation that used to be godly. 
and Elijah that worships Jehovah. Well, God says, get them together. And when they brought the, the 450 prophets that worshiped the pagan god and Elijah, Elijah said to the 450 prophets, all right, put your sacrifice. They got the animal, put them down here, poured water all over him. He says, all right, now you pray. And if that sacrifice is consumed by fire without you touching it, then your God, Baal, is the true God. And they prayed, and they prayed, persistent prayer. They prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they danced, and it says they cut themselves. Nothing happened. In the story in chapter 18, Elijah then says, all right, stand back. They pour water over everything, keep pouring and pouring, just soaking everything, whatever. And Elijah gets back, and we'll scoot on down to verse. I want you to see his, I want you to see his prayer, how powerful this prayer is. And, and, and notice here, in verse 36, chapter 18, look at verse 36. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. One time he prayed. Not three, once. Oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, and I've done all these things at your command. Now, is that a big prayer? Now, you have a sacrifice. It's down here. It's an animal, all cut in pieces. It's been drenched in water. There's water everywhere. There's rocks everywhere. And, and you're praying that God's going to bring fire down from heaven and strike it in front of all of these people. Now, that's a big prayer. God instructed him to do it. Well, notice when he prays simply one time, notice what happens. Again, verse 37, answer me, O Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then, the, verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil. You say, well, God can't do that. What God are you talking about? I'm talking about the creator of the universe. And also licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and called, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Can you and I pray a prayer that big? Do you trust God that much? Now, how many times did he pray here? Once. Why not three like the last time? I don't know. Skip on down to verse 41. Here's what happened. It hadn't rained in that country for three years because God stopped the rain. So God says to the, the wicked king Ahab, well, you better get out home because there's rain coming. There's a smell of rain coming. Now, it wasn't like our weather forecasters. You know, you get up in the morning, you look outside, and it's pouring, and they say, the weather for today, 50% chance of rain. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Notice when, when Elijah says to Ahab, get going, because there's the smell of rain, there's no clouds in the sky. That's faith. Faith is believing the promise of God. God had said to Elijah, there's rain coming. He said, well, God doesn't speak to me like that. I mean, Elijah's a super prophet. No, 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 no. New Testament, Elijah is a man just like you and me. It's never about Elijah. It's always about God. Well, I'll tell you what the story does. Elijah then says to his servant, he's on a Mount Carmel. He says, go out and see if you can see rain comes. He go up high and see if he look over the Mediterranean, see if he can see a cloud. He goes up and he comes back to Elijah and says, no clouds. Elijah says, well, I guess God lied. I give up. No, the Bible says he got down on his knees seven times and prayed servant up back up back up seven times and finally the rain came now why seven why not one why not three because you can't put God in your box persistent prayer has to be you're trusting God 
Here's a principle I want you to write down. God will answer with, he promises to answer, but he'll answer with his will and in his timing. He will answer, but it's always with his will and in his timing. See, many of our prayers will not be answered immediately. They're not going to be. So we have to keep on asking, seeking, and knocking. And many of the times, God won't say yes to me. By the way, you should be very glad that God says no to some of your prayers. Amen? We've all been stupid enough, haven't we? Remember in ninth grade, that girl you saw? Oh, God, give her to me. I want her for a wife. He didn't. You were so mad at him. And the 20th school reunion you saw her and you went, thank you, Jesus. Remember? You know, just like I know. You see, God knows. He knows best. He knows best. Turn back to Matthew chapter 7. We're almost through. Jesus then does something very unusual. He compares a parent, a human parent. We know humans are sinful. And he uses the term evil. He just means sin nature. And parents, by and large, love to give their kids good gifts. Sometimes parents say no. You can't have 12 ice cream cones. Sometimes parents say no. You can't drive the car 13, whatever. Sometimes parents have to say no. You're 17. You're not going to stay out till 4 a.m. in the morning. But parents, by and large, love to give good gifts to their kids. So notice what he does in verse 9. Which of you, if he has a son, asks for bread, will give him a stone? Would a, would a parent who is human do that? No. Or if he asked for a fish, would he give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, in other words, you have a sinful nature, even you know how to give good gifts to your children. Here's the, here's the comparison. How much more will your Father in heaven, how much more will this pure, sinless, holy, supernatural God give good gifts to those who what? Who ask? There it is again. A-S-K. He wants to give good. He's willing to give good gifts. He loves the good gifts, but we have to ask. And then in verse 12, which is another three-week teaching, but we'll cover it in two sentences. Jesus says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. This is the golden rule. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Here's where I'm going to relate that to this morning. Since God is gracious and generous to us and he he gives us good things, I should do the same thing to other people. God's generous. He's not stingy. I should love to give good gifts to people. Don't you like to give good gifts? You're a giving generation, a giving church. It's a wonderful thing. And you do that because God generously gives good gifts to you. Everything you have is a gift from God. So we just love to give to God. And that's what the golden rule is. Do good things for people. Don't be, be gracious. Don't be legalistic. Be positive. Don't be negative. When people come to you and say, I'm, I'm having trouble discerning God's will, pray for them. Wouldn't you want somebody to pray for you if you're having trouble discerning God's will? That's what it means. Of course, it's broader than that. Now, I'm going to give you three things this morning. Just keep your pens and we'll be done. Three keys that we learned today. Three keys. Number one, the most important thing in Jesus' teaching is the word everyone. If you're not yet a Christian, 
then the first thing you have to work on is your relationship with God. If I am a Christian, it's still the first thing. Seek first his kingdom. So this morning, number one, put our relationship with God first and then pray about everything. Expand what you pray about. Husbands and wives challenge each other. Students challenge your mom and dad. Mom and dad challenge your students. Well, we have this thing today, whatever. I'm trying to decide going through the line over here at Jason's. What sandwich to order? Not that. God's not stopping the universe to say, order ham and rye. Use your own brain for that. But lots of other stuff, we just don't ask. So ask big. Number two is my favorite of the whole teaching today. When we pray, things happen. When we don't pray, things don't happen. Do you realize how many things God wants to do in your life, but you won't ask? You don't want his will. You don't ask big. You limit him. You put him in this little box. He wants to do so much for you. Not for you, but to extend the kingdom of God. We're praying big for additional land and all the different things. We have all kinds of things that that the elders and the pastors are praying for. This is not the end. There's all kinds of, and we're just praying, God, we're praying big. You do whatever. We got 15 guys in the school. We're praying big, God, put them all over the world. Do whatever. Challenge us. In your own life, do the same thing. Number three, what Jesus is teaching is very simple. Ordinary Christians who pray to an extraordinary God. What do I get to do? I get to enjoy supernatural responses. See, it's not just Elijah. When we came down here 13 some years ago, never in our wildest imaginations would we see how God wants to just use people. The conference that was put on yesterday was such excellence. The men's conference, all the small groups we have, the the staff that work here are incredible people. They're dedicated. And I I try to challenge them as well as myself. Just keep the impressions, the parking people, the ministry, the sound, the light. Man, everywhere. The cafeteria, just serving with excellence. Why? Because we want to represent God good. That's why God did all this. So people would say, you serve an incredible God. This couple that ministered to us this weekend, when I was talking to them, here's what they said. If we lived in this area, we know exactly what church we'd come to. Why? Because they saw the love of people. They saw the excellence. And they saw the anointing of the Spirit of God. This morning, pray big. Believe God. Don't limit Him. And last, there is one prayer that God always answers. Here it is. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. And if you're here today and not a Christian, you have none of the benefits that I talked about. You're not going to heaven. You don't have peace with God. You don't have purpose in your life. You're in guilt. You're afraid of death. Why? All you need to do is turn your life over to God. When looking back at our past, we occasionally notice how we tend to put a limitation on God's response to specific prayers. More often than not, whenever we bring our requests before the throne of God, He meets our needs above and beyond our expectations. In today's message entitled, Ask, Pastor Mark reminds us of the faithfulness of God and how He can easily answer the biggest of prayers that we often consider impossible. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. One of the most dangerous and alarming directions we see our society heading towards is the idea of relativity. The thought of absolute truth has become an increasingly unpopular view as our culture continues to shift. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will address the most important truth that each of us has to face. God exists, heaven and hell are real, and mankind is in need of salvation. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.